Katie, my friend, how are you doing? Pretty good, Jesse, although I'm, I'm really tired today. Why's that? Well, I did my annual exercise yesterday. Oh, so this is the, the Katie Herzog method where you exercise once a year? Right. So it's this CrossFit program that I do where I put a leash on the dog and then the dog hauls me up a hill. Wow. The dog's the one doing the CrossFit. This is a very small dog, we should add. Oh, well, he's like 50 pounds now. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's getting pretty big. But it's really exhausting for him. I mean, I'm like three times as much as he is, and he just has to haul me up a hill. You're not 150. Uh, we don't need to talk about your weight. You're not 150 pounds. Well, I wasn't 150 pounds, and then I, I gained the COVID 2020. 20, 20. Uh, I keep <laughs> I keep hearing different. I, I want to know how bad I how much I should hate my own body, and people keep having different estimates of like how much weight you're supposed to gain during quarantine. As far as I'm concerned, 200 pounds gained is totally natural. Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to. <laughs> I think you're right about that, but I've been trying to decide between calling my my new uh, my new weight gain the COVID 19 or the 2020 20, and I think I'm going to settle on the 2020 20, 20 until I get to the 2020 20, 25. Yeah, I'm recording this from the bathtub I'm stuck in. <laughs> That is such a beautiful mental image. I hope you have someone to, to lift you out of the bathtub. Or maybe you could just turn the water on until it floats you up and you can get out that way. I'll just I'll slowly be covered in enough pizza grease over the days that I'll be able to sort of wriggle myself out. All right, Jesse, what podcast are we listening to? I think it's Blocked and Reported. I'm Jesse Single. And I'm Katie Herzog, unfortunately. And this episode is going to be incredible, is it not? This is a fucking weird one, I will say that. What I liked about this episode is that you did most of the legwork on getting to the bottom of an absolutely bizarre internet story. Uh, in Not because I'm lazy, although I am lazy, but because I was sort of drowning in some last-minute book stuff. But, but what's the elevator pitch for the journey you are about to take listeners on? All right, Jesse. Get ready. Hold on to your butt cheeks. Okay, this one. Hold on. Is wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Wait. I'm not holding on. One, <laughs> two. Okay, I'm holding on to both butt cheeks. I like that. You can hold on to your butt cheeks and record a podcast at the same time. A very talented man. <laughs> That's what they say. Okay. Today we are talking about a scandal that has emerged from science Twitter. And this has been covered in the mainstream news. I don't want to pretend that we're breaking the story. We're not breaking the story. Other people have broken the story. However, I will say there are some twists and turns to this story that have not been covered by major outlets. So get ready for that. Okay, I'm ready. So on Sunday, we're recording this on what day is it? Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday. Uh, I got a I got a direct message on Twitter from someone who told me about a brewing scandal in science Twitter. And I started to check this out. And it turns out that there was this really tragic story. There's this anthropology professor at Arizona State University who for the last months has been tweeting about COVID. She said that she got COVID because Arizona State um, didn't close campus after the initial COVID outbreak. And so she she caught this disease, you know, doing her job. Um, it, you know, it's just like horrific, you know, especially right now when schools are deciding whether or not to open there's lots of conversation about whether campuses should open at all, if they're ever going to open at all, if school's just going to be online from here on out. And here's this woman um, tweeting about how she got COVID and how her university was really unsupportive. They cut her pay by 15% while she's battling COVID. And then over the weekend, uh, it turns out that she died. Her So this poor anthropology professor's university, in effect, murdered her. Yeah, they killed her. And... She was also Native American. She was queer. So they killed a they killed a, a, a marginalized person. This is uh, and what was her Twitter handle? Her Twitter handle was sciencing by, and so the name that she went through or 
the name that she went by on Twitter was Aleppo. And this was a pseudonym. She used a pseudonym for a really good reason, which is that she's bisexual. And there's a, a huge problem with the oppression of bisexuals in anthropology departments at universities. Did you know that? No, I didn't. That, But so bisexuals in particular, beyond like people who are, who are gay or trans or whatever, bisexuals are particularly... Um, Oppressed within anthropology departments? Yeah, apparently so. You know, it's just, I, you know, and I can kind of see it. Like, I'm married to a bisexual. Like, they can be a little annoying. <laughs> so it's, you're saying I could kind of see it. I thought you were going to say I could see how they could be oppressed. You're just saying I could see how the oppression is warranted. Hot dogs or tacos? Choose one. <laughs> they just, they just, they just can't choose. They can't choose it. It's so frustrating. All right. So, okay. So this woman, so she's battling COVID for months. Her pay is cut. This is all the fault of Arizona State University. She's Native American. She's bisexual. So just like fucked up all around. She's dead now. She's dead because Arizona State. Well, let's just, I just want to make sure I have this because this is like a lot to internalize at once. Arizona State University murdered a bisexual indigenous anthropology professor out of out of some sort of greed they cut her pay i think i saw i can't remember if you mentioned this because my memory shit right now they forced her to stay on campus well into april when we knew the yes oh this is like a, a, a the the asu administrator should be sent to the netherlands to appear before the hague i mean absolutely or they should just be forced to live in phoenix or wherever arizona state university is <laughs> That would be, they go to The Hague for their trial and then they're sentenced to return to Arizona. <laughs> In the summer. Um, okay, so we found out that Sciencing Bi died because her friend, Beth Ann McLaughlin, or maybe it's McLaughlin, I'm not sure. I'm going to call her Beth Ann McLaughlin, professor or former professor at Vanderbilt. Uh, had uh, really made a name for herself because she started this organization called Me Too STEM. And Me Too STEM did some really important work. Like they helped um, women in the sciences, particularly in academia, um, pursue uh, pursue harassment claims. They helped them file for FOIAs when they needed to get information for their claims. And most importantly, they got the hotness rating taken off of the website rateyourprofessor.com. <laughs> the chili, so, they would rate professors with like a number of chili peppers, right? Yeah, yeah. And Beth Ann McLaughlin uh, called them out for this and they, they stopped it, you know, just like it only took like Beth Ann like a day to get them to um, to take off this like really horrific sexist. Um, although I will say like you could rate men and women, but still sexist um, rating system taken off of their very important website. Wait, so if I go back to college, how am I supposed to know which which professors to to take class? Jesse, no one is going to let you back into college. Don't worry about it. <laughs> not not after what happened last time. Um, okay, so so I was reading up on this this woman just to do a little bit of legwork, and it okay the the chili pepper thing is whatever. Maybe not the biggest deal in the world. My sense was like she, she was seen as a figure. If you were sort of a young academic and you experienced sexual harassment, you could reach out to her and she would try to help you. There was like a, a, at least a segment of this stuff that seemed to be responding to a problem in, in some corners of male dominated academia. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, that that's fair to say. And so like sciencing by her her friend who died. So like sciencing by had um she said at one point that she'd been assaulted by a Harvard anthropology professor who who did just last month or 2 months ago got um suspended from the university pending investigation of of various claims, not just claims from sciencing by, but she had talked to other survivors of this professor's harassment. Um so, you know, uh like a a warrior for justice. Well, so here's what happened. After she died over the weekend from COVID, Beth Ann McLaughlin announced this, and she decided, or she said she was going to have a, a Zoom wake uh, for this woman. And, uh, you know, just to like pour one out to like get this community together and like memorialize their friend who had died from COVID. She has this, this Zoom memorial and it was really strange because only like four people were there. Um, and it turns out that Beth Ann was the only one who'd actually met sciencing by in person. Um, like apparently like they might've been romantically involved. Like at one point on Twitter, she said that she was looking at sciencing by's side of the bed. So I, I assume that they shared a bed together. Wait, Beth, Beth Ann said that about, about sciencing by the indigenous professor that she was looking right. at her side of the bed. Okay. Right, so they were, right. they were, they were lovers. I mean, it sounded like pretty intimate, right? Or sisters. Or sisters, yes, or cousins, who knows? Um, and so, and then over the years, like, Sciencing Bai had been really supportive of, of Beth Ann. And she's sort of a, she has sort of a caustic pers- persona on Twitter. And she and Sciencing Bai would sort of get into these little tips on Twitter where Sciencing Bai would, would say something about Beth Ann's detractors. And Beth Ann would say, please just drop it, drop it. And, and Sciencing Bai would be like, no, I'm not going to drop it. I'm not going to drop it. Um, okay, right. So she holds this memorial for a friend. Only a couple people show up. And at that point, she, she she reveals to the other people in this in this zoom this memorial that sciencing by this woman who none of them had ever spoken to who they only knew through dms and through twitter had left left some things in her will for the people who happened to be at the memorial service wait so that's a weird coincidence that the people who happen to show up to the zoom memorial and as an aside that's everyone's nightmare is you die and then only four people show up for your zoom wake that sucks that's actually my dream but other people would consider it <laughs> you could pull that off i could definitely pull that off the people who happen to have shown up to her zoom memorial almost like in some sort of mystery movie it's like ooh, there was a there was a will you all get a piece of of what she had right yeah yeah and so and this started to strike uh start at least a couple of the people who were at the zoom memorial and there were only a couple people at the zoom memorial so one of the people at the memorial an academic i believe she was in in maine or minnesota or some some state that starts with an m she started to get a little suspicious right like where were all the, where were all of Sciencing By's friends? Where was her family? Where were her students? Where were her colleagues? Why was this Zoom just like a handful of, not even a handful, like a fingerful of people she knew on Twitter and who'd never spoken to her? So she started looking into this. And it turns out that there were no COVID faculty deaths at Arizona State. And in fact, Arizona State had closed in March uh, after spring break and had moved all their their classes online. So she started to get a little suspicious. And so she she did a little digging and it turned out that the only person in science Twitter 
who had actually met Sciencing by was Beth Ann McLaughlin. Oh, wow. And Beth Ann, who had some sort of close in-person relationship with her, and, and Beth Ann and Science Bai would sort of support each other during Twitter fights. Right, right, exactly. Meanwhile, Sciencing Bai has died. Her Twitter account, post-death, mysteriously gets locked to private. So she came back to, she came back to life just to lock her Twitter account? That's weird. It's weird, it's weird. But, you know, I mean, we don't know what happens in the afterlife. I mean, this is just as possible as <laughs> going to sit on a, on a cloud with your... God daddy, I suppose. Can you imagine if, if you die and then you come back and all you're allowed to do is tweet? You're not allowed any other access. Ugh. Nightmare. That's that's actual hell, Jesse. It's actual hell. Okay, so long story short, I'm just going to blow your mind right now. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Sciencing by didn't exist. <laughs> I mean, my first impulse is to say, why are you literally erasing the testimony of a dead, oppressed scholar <laughs> She's a bisexual in anthropology, no, a notoriously difficult position to be in, and Native American. And Native American. And you're, saying, you're literally erasing her existence by saying she doesn't exist. I'm saying she doesn't exist. So over the past couple of days, uh, more reporting has come out, and it turns out that Beth Ann McLaughlin, a former professor at Vanderbilt University, made this character up. And it also turns out that this is a series of alt accounts that she has had. So... Um, this has been covered, New York Times, BuzzFeed, lots of reporting on this, but there are some angles of the story that I think have been left out, which is what I really want to talk to you about today. So I, I know that it was, she admitted to the Times that she had made up sciencing by, science by, was it sciencing by? I keep forgetting. Sciencing by, sciencing while bi- bisexual, I suppose. Yeah, sciencing underscore by, for people who want to look it up, we'll put it in the show notes too. She, it's been confirmed that she operated these other sock puppet accounts too? Yes, but we're going to get into that. Okay. Okay. And just uh, for listeners, know, sock puppet is just when you pretend to be someone else, you create an alter ego Twitter account. But so what's the stuff that you're not seeing being covered? Okay. Well, first of all, I want to just lay out the clip. Let's first of all, just lay out what sciencing by who she is supposed to have been. And Aleppo is her first name in this or that's her online pseudonym? It's her online pseudonym, right? So she said that okay. she went under a pseudonym. She was anonymous because of the, uh, the uh, you know, oppression that bisexual anthropologists face. This is not a joke. She like, like the idea that like queer people are marginalized in academia is like saying that queer people are marginalized at a gay pride rally. <laughs> It's also like a- a- anthropology is not a field I would associate with like, look, I'm sure there's issues, but there are some fields that are very queer friendly and anthropology, I think, is one of them. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> I think that is I think that is fair to say. OK, so sciencing by let's just get out what she is. She the alleged sciencing by her, her narrative. Right. So we've said this queer Native American woman from Alabama who says that she fled the South because of the oppression of queer people. Um, she said that she was assaulted by a Harvard professor. She said she got COVID. She said her pay was cut by 15%. Um, and at one point she said she had financial trouble and she started like a Venmo thing. The Venmo coincidentally, uh, went back to Beth Ann McLaughlin, right? Okay. So Beth Ann McLaughlin, she started to race to prominence in the past couple of years because of this organization she started, Me Too STEM. And there are lots of glowing profiles of her in the media. Um, there was uh, there was uh, one in Science Magazine that I found very interesting and we will link to in the bio. And it goes into her personal history at Vanderbilt. She was in the neuroscience department. So 
In 2014, a colleague of hers, his name was Aurelio Galli, um, sort of a star in the department, was accused by a graduate student of sexual harassment. Um, I don't know what the particular claim is, uh, but the claim was investigated by the university, found without merit, and Gali was sued by the student, and the case was dismissed by a judge. So the case was thrown out, found without merit. The student also sued the university, and the university settled with the student. So I got in touch with Casey Johnson, who's a professor at Brooklyn College. Yeah, he's a New York history professor at Brooklyn College and the City University of New York Graduate Center. Okay. Um, and who is an expert on sort of Title IX um, investigations. He's a very interesting follow. Uh, I recommend following him on Twitter. Um, and so I asked him how uncommon it be or how atypical would it be for a university that investigates a, a, um, a claim of sexual harassment to and then finds it without merit to then settle with with a student um, during a lawsuit. And he said it's not atypical at all. Um, and basically what they're trying to do is just make it go away, because when the law when the schools, you know, when there's a public um, a public you know, legal battle. It's just bad press. Right. So this is actually like fairly typical. Um, and it's it would take sort of extraordinary circumstances for a, a university to actually fight the suit um, rather than just settle. And we don't know how much money that, you know, the student got, but or what the terms of the settlement were. But so so you're saying the, the the student who accused the professor, she sued the university and she sued the professor both? Yes. And the suit against the professor was dismissed and the university settled. OK, so this happens in 2014. He soon after this, something like nine months after this, gets a promotion. He works in the same department as Beth Ann McLaughlin. Beth Ann McLaughlin, who at the time he thought that he was friends with and, um, you know, thought, didn't realize that he had a like basically a hater within the department. Um, Beth Ann McLaughlin is uh, just appalled that, you know, that he, according to her, sort of got away with this thing that, you know, had been investigated and dismissed and got a promotion, right? Just like, fuck this guy. Like he gets a lot of grant money, you know, he's special. Um, and so Beth Ann McLaughlin takes to Twitter as you do and under a bunch of various different alts starts attacking this guy spreading rumors about him and not just him about other colleagues as well. Um, at one point, according to a lawsuit, a defamation suit that's ongoing right now, um, she under this, under, uh, one of her alt accounts, um, said she was going to stab the woman in the office across the hall from her. That's not good. That's not collegial. Right. That is not collegial. I mean, I say I'm going to stab you a lot, but I try to do it like not publicly. Um, Plus, like you're not even you can like barely lift your arms. You're not going to be able to stab me from your bathtub. So lawsuit is filed. It's stressful situation. Lawsuits filed against Bethann for allegedly running these Twitter accounts. No. Well, we're going to get to that, too. Oh, sorry. 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 Okay. Lawsuit is filed against Golly. It's a stressful situation. At one point, uh, he gets an email from Beth Ann, uh, who says there's a visiting scholar uh, who's going to be in town from, I believe, from University of Washington out here in Seattle. Her name's Dana Miller. And um, do they want to have dinner? They'll, they'll just, like, relax and shit, like, you know, do some do some light socializing to, like, take the stress out of this situation. Out. Try to make the guy feel better. And he, he agrees, um, but he can't, his wife is, his wife is out of town with one of his daughters and one of his other daughters is home dealing with some personal stuff. So instead of going out, they're going to all come over to his house. Um, so the, they come over, this visiting scholar, Beth Ann, Beth Ann's husband, 
they have dinner and uh, the next day he gets an email from the visiting scholar that says like fantastic meal great to see you whatever blah 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 soon after that he finds out oh and so this woman her name's Dana Miller um, I reached out to her for comment and didn't hear back same with Beth Ann um, no, no word back so soon after Dana Miller files a complaint with their department and she says that at the dinner he was making threats essentially against this student who had accused him of harassment that he showed them a gun that he presumably was going to use to you know like kill this woman i guess she took it as a, as a threat as a violent situation right um so he's really uncomfortable dana sends this email to the university the university investigates Beth Ann serves as a witness, um, I guess presumably corroborates what Dana has said. Still, the university finds, they do an investigation, they interview the guy, and he explains what happened. He says the gun, He so he has a you know a concealed carry permit or whatever. This is in Tennessee. And he ha- he keeps the gun on his belt, like in a, like a whatever they're called, harness? Har- what are they called? Holster? Holster. Um, right. So he has this gun because he had bought it fairly recently because his house had been broken into a couple months earlier. And he says that he was just like wearing the gun and he showed it to them that it wasn't a threat. Um, that, you know, and he also, so meanwhile, Beth Ann, by the way, she has also been for the past like year have been just like mercilessly dragging this guy on Twitter behind these alt accounts, right? Which he doesn't know. He thinks that they're friends. So he files a complaint against Beth Ann. Around this time, she's up for tenure. In 2015, her 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 tenure review was apparently going forward. Uh, Then it comes out that she has been maintaining these Twitter accounts, bullying and threatening her colleagues. And so when that comes out, her tenure review is paused and it was paused for like 17 months. So it took a long time um, for for to like uh, to investigate these cases. And ultimately, the department decided not to give her tenure. And it was a, a unanimous reversal where at the end of the day, everyone on the committee voted against her, I think I read. Right, right. So Beth Ann goes public with this. And she paints herself as a victim of, uh, of you know, a culture of oppression and harassment and misogyny. And she says that, you know, the reason I was denied tenure is because I served as a witness against this male professor and the media eats this up. Right. So there are fawning profiles of her. This, And then she starts me to STEM. And so while this woman is working to protect other women in the sciences, her own job has been threatened and she will lose her job because of her advocacy. There's a petition to get her uh, her tenure reinstated, the tenure that she was denied, um, and 15,000 people sign it. Some She gets support for some prominent people in, um, in, in, in this field. Lots of women stand up for her. Lots of men stand up for her. This seems like such a violation, right? Like she didn't get tenure because... She was a witness in a harassment suit, right? Or at least that's what she told people, and they fucking believed it. So she starts this organization, Me Too STEM, uh, in sort of the wake of all of this. Uh, she wins a prize from the MIT Media Lab um, with the founder of Me Too and another woman. So uh, it was a $250,000 prize that they all split. Um, and she makes a name for herself. She gets sort of uh, mild, like a little bit famous because of her work in this field. And this goes on for a little while. And then... 
people start quitting the organization and accusing her of bullying and harassment and uh, and not being transparent with money. Oh, I should add here. She is accused of bullying um, within the Me Too STEM organization by women of color in particular. So that that starts another another round of news stories. So like there were the fawning profiles and then there's the update, which is like, oh, shit, this woman's a bully and she was bullying queer woman of color. Coincidentally, sciencing by a queer woman of color pops up to start defending her friend, Beth Ann. But here here, here, here's the here's the craziest part of this entire saga. I want to I want to read you a line from a story. This is a story that was in Science Magazine, and it's a big, big profile from February 2019, and it's called "The Twitter Warrior." This neuroscientist is fighting sexual harassment in science, but her own job is in peril. So this is in a section where it's talking about the support that she has. Um, so she, Anita Hill, uh, you know, the famed Anita Hill um, sent her an email or she says she sent her an email sort of thanking her for speaking out. Um, and other, other sort of prominent people have supported this woman. And then, uh, and then it reads, Indeed, McLaughlin has made bitter enemies. Last fall, she says she was anonym- anonymously FedExed a box of feces. <laughs> Someone sent her a box of shit? Jesus, that's awful. That's what she says. Shockingly, I don't know if I can believe it after all of this, Jesse. Do you think that that's something that an academic would do? Send another academic a box of feces? Or do you think it's more likely that a known liar said that someone FedEx her a box of feces? Does FedEx even ship feces? Do they have a policy about that? I'm going to call them. <laughs> You'd have to disguise it as something else. Yeah. Uh I'd be curious if she filed a police report because that's the kind of thing where someone is so, if someone is so unhinged they would do something like that. You should file a police report, but no. I mean, at this point, you need to. Unfortunately, this casts a shadow over her entire career, and that career has included lots of claims about a lot of people's misbehavior, right? Right, and so this guy in particular, uh, Golly Aurelio Golly, um, who went through this this process with her so she was anonymously you know threatening on twitter she wrote a blog post at one point um this was also the blog post was anonymous but she kept pointing to it on twitter and saying i'm the author of this blog post she wrote many a sleepless night i've wondered how far i'm going to get with a guard dog and a three-inch knife and a heart that is barely intact when this man finally goes into his inevitable rage the knife won't do much but i want my friends to know i went down fighting so she's accusing this man of of like threatening to kill her. She seems to be actually like terrified of this guy. Well, I talked to the guy. Um, so he is, he is suing her for defamation. Um, this, this will either she, either she will settle or this will go to a jury trial. It's been postponed because of COVID, but this has been at this point, a six year long process for him. He ended up leaving Vanderbilt. So he was a, a star scholar at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was offering him a distinguished faculty position and he still left because it was too awful to be in the department with this woman. So he's now at the University of Alabama, um, where he, he had a lab. He had like a floor of a building was his lab. He had 15, I guess, 15 graduate students or workers or whatever under him. Now he has four. Um, and when I talked to him, almost, uh, m- most of our conversation was off the record, but I can say that it seems like his life has been absolutely just ruined by this, by this woman. Um, he denies all of the allegations. So he, so she did. Sure. Sorry. Her name was the the blog post saying that I'm afraid he's going to try to kill me. 
was under her name. She just openly said that about him. It wasn't under her name, but it, so it was published anonymously. But she would go on Twitter and say, "I wrote this blog post about this guy." Jesus, and there's no. Okay, so the one fuzzy part we have is there was this other student who who accused him of sexual harassment. The university did investigate and threw it out. Right, and the the and her lawsuit was dismissed uh, by a judge. So you know, obviously, like we don't actually know what happened. He seemed sort of mystified and incredulous that this um, that this student you know sued him or or thought his behavior was uh, untoward or whatever. Um, and we we don't know what happened for sure. And uh, you know, it's this was this also happened pre Me Too, so it's also possible that the university would cover something like this up in a way that they might not now post Me Too. Um, but you know, this was investigated and it was dismissed both by the university and by a court. Um, so I think that's as kind of as good as it gets from his perspective at least and the student seems to have disappeared i don't i don't know what happened to her i was just gonna say the the part the low-key craziest part of that science article let me just read this real quick because it like shows i don't know it seems to reveal something about beth Han's character but her and you can also see how slanted the coverage was but her in-your-face delivery unnerved some establishment supporters the society for neuroscience gave her an award for quote significantly promoting unquote women at its annual meeting in San Diego in November 2018 and invited her to speak to a virtual conference last month. But after McLaughlin pre-recorded her comments, she received a letter from a lawyer at that um, society disinviting her. Quote, some of the content in your presentation may be defamatory and could expose the society to potential legal liability. So She's in, she's given an award and, and all she has to do is write like an address, a nice thank you for this award. The fight continues, blah, blah, blah. Even just in that address, it's, it's so obviously potentially defamatory that she gets disinvited. Like it seems like she's just making a lot of claims about a lot of people without evidence. Right. And this has really worked well for her over the past few years. I mean, she was denied tenure. That's bad. That's definitely a black mark on your record. But she has gotten, you know, she's got this big award, fawning profiles in the media, lots of important friends, lots of support until, you know, she's accused of bullying people of color through this Me Too STEM organization, you know, and then her her reputation takes a dip after that then science sciencing by comes in to help rescue her and she probably could have maintained this if she hadn't killed off her character <laughs> that's a thing a lot of like fiction writers do wrong is they kill off a character too early or too late she should have kept sciencing by around it sounds like sciencing by was a, an important ally for her yeah yeah seriously so uh she anyway she has admitted that she made up sciencing by to the new york times um she says that she now sees that she needs mental health help um which i would say yeah probably true but i'm curious about so this organization me too stem how much damage have they done? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know the answer to this question, but looking into this one story about Aurelio Gali, this guy who was basically exonerated for the accusations against him, and this woman still managed to destroy his career. You know, after having this, like, prestigious career, um, the dude, ends, you know, ends up, like, in a small lab in Alabama at the end of his, at the end of his career. What, what was so interesting to me is how there are very weird racial dynamics on sort of um, Me Too and social justice science Twitter, where 
we've talked about this dynamic before, but but these you know labs in sort of prestigious research areas are to a certain extent dominated by white people because like you know you need a lot of resources and education to get to a point where you can get a PhD in neuroscience. Um, I don't know what the exact demographics are now. I'm speaking a bit generally, but the way they they treated this sciencing by person who they had never met, I, I have to think that has something to do with how frankly excited they were to have a Twitter friend who is an indigenous queer person. Am I being a jerk in saying that? And I just look at some of the screenshotted interactions or right? like this guy, Michael Eisen, who's a prestigious scientist talking about how like this was a friend of mine. Like this was someone you never met and knew nothing about. I mean, is something weird is going on on the, on the racial front here, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, it's awfully convenient, you know, not just, not just the racial front, but also, you know, she's queer. Uh, you, there's value in, in having access to these marginalized identities. Um, and, uh, you know, and maybe it's genuine. Maybe people really did feel like they knew this person and liked this person. Um, but the reality is that this person didn't exist. This was a figment of someone's imagination. And people are really upset about this. I mean, and for, for obvious reasons, for one thing, People who interacted with her feel conned. Obviously, you're going to feel conned. They got catfish. That's humiliating. But also, it's the it's the Jesse Smollett thing. You know, it's the when you have sort of a, a hoax like this, it makes people cast out on all of the other stories, including me. I just did it. I cast out on everything that Beth Ann has been involved with because she seems like a liar, um, which is bad for the actual victims. Um, of sexual harassment and assault and everything else. And it's also true that there are very legitimate arguments about what should happen with colleges, what should happen with essential workers, should people be going back to school, should people be going back to work. And she just made up a COVID death. It's just incredibly fucked up. The other thing that gets me is like, you know, we've talked about false rumors on this podcast. I've talked about how like I, I've had people go after me because they didn't like my work. But in, in this case, a lot of the facts she offered up, including about ASU forcing her to teach, cutting her pay, even just being a, a, a scholar within a particular department with those characteristics, a lot of it was fact-checkable. And people just sort of seem to spread these these rumors about ASU. I mean, Arizona State University will be fine. I'm not that worried about them. But like that would be a really big deal, wouldn't it, if they were forcing faculty to teach in person into April while cutting their pay, that would be horrific. And the lack of any sort of skepticism really bothers me because like spreading false rumors about people in institutions is corrosive. Have you heard the term Munchausen's by internet? <laughs> yeah, yes. So Munchausen by proxy is basically when like a mom, um, I think becomes convinced her child has some sort of disease. Is it always a mom? Uh, sorry, that's mean. It's often a mom. I think it could be a, a dad too. It's just in our misogynistic society, it is true that women are often charged with uh, that sort of caregiving. So Munchausen by proxy involves like a, a parent basically coming to believe their child is sick and often exposing them to unnecessary treatment because of some psychological issue on the part of the parent. Um, Munchausen by internet is a a you know, not studied in the same way, but it's an anecdotal thing that I think you and I both think is absolutely true because we swam around in the worst parts of the internet where people say, or maybe in some cases come to believe they have certain mental disorders or other forms of hardship because it gets them attention and validation. And this is clearly an example of that. Like this Beth Ann woman was able to create a quote unquote oppressed 
personality on Twitter and a use that to get attention and acclaim for the character, but also able to sort of leverage that oppressed identity to benefit the real life Bethan, uh, what should I say, McLaughlin? So it's just, it's really twisted. Yeah, it's incredibly twisted. I mean, I don't think that Munchausen's by by internet is in the DSM yet. Um, But we do live in a world now where victimhood is powerful. And so by being, you know, a, a minority, by being queer, by being sick, by being from the South, whatever, any sort of oppression point that you can get is a way of raising your status. Um, but but I, you should, I, I think it's not like we don't live in a – like in the real world, being those things does not give you power. But in certain uh, – Well, I mean I think – yeah, in – it depends on what you mean by the real world. In academia, I would say it gives you power, um, not just on Twitter, but in, in media, I would say it gives you power. Um, and these other sort of you know hyper online, hyper ideological, woke industries. Like – so when I was going through – this is just a dumb aside, but – as I was like digging into the story, I was contacting all of these people in science Twitter. Every one of them has their pronouns in their bio yeah. without exception. Well, it's just like this is a, a these communities are very fixated on identity characteristics. And when you see them get in fights with people and and um, corners of, of sort of science and STEM, Me Too STEM Twitter are somewhat pugnacious. Often you will find the arguments get resolved entirely by who is quote unquote more oppressed and people, I think if you're listening and you're not familiar with these communities, that'll sound made up. It sounds like something like Bill O'Reilly would say, but it's absolutely true that the more it's weird to even use the term oppression points. Cause sometimes the person who has a quote unquote oppressed identity comes from a wealthy family and has tenure at an elite institution. The, the concept of who's really oppressed is so messed up, but like, so yeah, and, and I think the time story, this guy Michael Eisen, who's one of the few people, I think he delivered the the eulogy at the Zoom uh <laughs> funeral or oh whatever my God. memorial. <laughs> Can you imagine delivering a eulogy for someone oh who didn't God. exist? Um he, he's he's quoted in the time story as saying, well, like, look, this is bad, but like obviously Twitter has made it much easier for marginalized people to speak out. And I'm sure there's some senses in which that is true. The fact of the matter is that you do often do not know who is and isn't marginalized in some real world sense. Like Twitter has made it way easier for marginalized people who don't exist to speak up. <laughs> right. And also the fact of the matter is actual marginalized people are not for the most part on Twitter arguing about social justice with Michael Eisen. Right? That's what strikes me as a little frustrating and lazy about this. It's like if you want to be a white person LARPing as someone who has any connection to oppression, you can go on these Twitter communities where where everyone has some characteristic that marks them as oppressed in this dumb dichotomy where you're either oppressed or oppressor. But like so, – so this quote just got to me because it's like – well, okay, you say Twitter's good for marginalized people, but you just literally developed an entire friendship with someone who not only isn't marginalized, but doesn't exist. And then you gave a eulogy at their fake memorial service. Shouldn't that tell you something about the way these identity characteristics are weaponized? Giving a eulogy at a fake memorial. That is definitely one to put on your on your CV. I like the idea that like that I wish we could see the memorial he gave cuz I bet like some of the lines are like you know, sometimes I felt like I didn't even really know Aleppo. <laughs> <laughs> Aleppo, I mean, it, it pains me to think that Aleppo no longer exists. You know, if Ben Ann had just like like let the character 
like fade away. You know, like some people disappear from Twitter. It's no big deal. Um, she probably could have continued to run this grift. And I do think it was a grift. I mean, collecting, uh, collecting money from, you know, on behalf of, of this, this queer Native American anthropology professor. She apparently used sciencing by to sort of ask other people to help support Beth Ann in her attempt to get tenure. It's crazy. Well, I mean, the most crazy thing is, is the accusation, the sexual assault accusation. I mean, that, that's just, she, she's going to get the shit suit out of her for that, as she should. She made up a fake person, and then that fake person accused someone of rape? I mean... A real person. A real person who is who is really in deep shit of rape, yes. That That is so insane. And I, I, I'm sorry. I hope she gets sued like crazy for that. That is completely unacceptable. As you pointed out, it makes it harder for, like, actual victims to get anything done. I do think it's interesting to imagine, like... Okay, let's say she wanted to wind down this character, what the best arc would have been. I can I tell you what I would have gone with if I ran the, yes. the science yes. by account? Okay. Yes. Um you basically you have the sciencing by account say that there's too much oppression in the anthropology department at ASU. So she could be like, I'm gonna go teach at this university in Africa, uh where I'm not gonna have cons- field work. Field work, yes, field work. Um, I'm gonna be based at an African university, and the the gender norms and attitudes towards sexuality aren't as rigid as they are in the Puritan USA. And I'm gonna just work there. I'm not gonna have internet access, so I'm not gonna be online as much. But thank you so much for your support. And then, like you said, the character sort of fades out. We get a a satisfying arc where it's sort of sad that Sciencing Bai has to move to Africa, but we know she'll be more welcome there, and everybody wins. I, what would I have done? Hmm. I probably would have just denounced a whole a whole lot more people. Like I would have like said that I was getting driven off of Twitter because of bullying, the rampant bullying against the bisexual community. That is. A hundred percent right. If you if you say I can't handle the harassment anymore, and then you set your account to private and never tweet again, everyone will remember you as the person who was was driven off. Harassed off of Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Um, There, I'm not gonna. I don't know how much detail to go in. There is a crazy story from young adult Twitter years ago that I think you're aware of that bears certain similarities to this one, right? Uh, yes, please uh, go into some detail. This one is also fascinating. <laughs> Young adult Twitter is just a, a very fierce minefield of denunciations and unpersonings and stuff when it comes to social justice stuff. There's a situation where someone is alleged to have been bullied into taking her own life, which is the most horrible thing ever. But then it was sort of similar to this where like no one knew anyone who knew this person in real life. Their entire existence was a, a Twitter persona. And none of this means it's impossible it happened, but I would, there were multiple people in back channels being like, it doesn't seem like this person quite exists. And the problem is a few people, it was determined that three or four people or maybe two or three were responsible for bullying this person to death. And then they were denounced within the community. But then if you looked at their tweets toward this person, they were just sort of fleeting disagreements, nothing that could possibly be seen as justifying the claim that they bullied someone to death, which is a horrible accusation. So I'm nervous to even say the person's name and I'm not going to because it's such a – like to even you know, suggest that someone would create a Twitter persona and then have like fake a suicide – I guess it, I guess that's the impact sciencing by had on me is sciencing by gave me the courage to mention this other incident that maybe I'll look into more 
um, that seems to be similar. But people will go to crazy lengths to get attention online and to go after their online enemies. You just you can't overstate that. I might start doing this. This seems like a really good way to like rehab someone's like Twitter Twitter reputation. So if you start to see a I don't know, maybe I'll go with black, maybe I'll go with Latinx, a Latinx transgender one legged orphan defending me on Twitter, it's totally real and don't question it. <laughs> That's so bad. <sighs> well That is so bad, Katie. Why don't I, why don't you have me why don't you have me run the sock puppet account so at least there's plausible deniability? Yeah, you can run I'll, you'll run my sock puppet and I'll run your sock puppet. That would be that would be so fun. We should just have like we should have blocked and reported as a podcast create like 150 viciously active sock puppet accounts just dedicated to like harassing our enemies and defending us in really over the top ways. Or they could harass us and then we will be victims and our reply guys will go battle it out with them. So there there are some known instances where people will literally make up other that's happened. People will create other accounts and then harass themselves to get attention. No one no one Oh yeah. It, no one knows how weird the internet is. And so many like whenever I have trouble explaining this to people, it's just like it's like um you you have to be there. You have to have wasted hours of your life in these cesspools of just disturbed people to understand to get to a point where like so th- so this story I'm sure it surprised both of us. But I bet after like an hour of the surprise setting in, we're both like, yeah, that kind of makes sense, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is probably happening right now on Twitter with different people. Um, you know what? The like the New Yorker cartoon was right. No one knows when you're a dog on the internet, and also no one knows when you're a white lady pretending to be a Native American bisexual. At Jesse Single is actually just a sock puppet account pretending to be a, a Jewish white liberal journalist in Brooklyn. Are you? Do you actually exist? Hmm. I feel like we've met before, but maybe we haven't. I'm a sophisticated AI. Well, not a sophisticated AI, an unsophisticated AI. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're a dumpy AI. I was like the early version of the AI where like, let's try to have someone, let's try to have an AI that can just like amass a good Twitter following and not become a target of hate. And it just went horribly wrong. Yeah. Yeah. There's some glitches in your, uh, in your data. All right, Jesse, uh, anything else we need to say about this one? Yeah, I'm just, I, it's, I feel so bad for what, uh, science and by went through. It's just really unfair what her university did. And I hope her university is held accountable if not shut down. So, uh, yeah, that's it, uh, on my end. Remember, you can always email us at blockedandreportedpodcast at gmail.com. Our subreddit continues to grow. It is reddit.com slash r slash blockedandreported. We spared you the spiel about becoming a premium subscriber this week, but you should still do it if you haven't. Patreon.com slash blockedandreported. You'll get extra episodes every month. Uh, Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. Um, Create sock puppet accounts where you pretend to be marginalized people and you support the show. Anything else, Katie? No, I think that's about it. This has been Blocked and Reported. I'm Jesse Single, and remember, there's no such person as Bethann McLaughlin. And I'm Katie Herzog. And also remember, if you're ever going to send a box of feces for yourself, remember to get the insurance. <laughs>